Radical, episode 179. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. Good to be back with you live. I know it has been a minute. Everything has been crazy. The studio is coming together, and I appreciate your patience. I have an awesome guest for you guys tonight, and uh, I am I'm super excited. This guy has helped my family uh, understand more, uh, especially my kids. Uh, but I would tell you, you know, if, if you're beginning in the Liberty Circles, um, my guest tonight is a, a just a profound, Profound, profound man in this world. Uh, he does, I think, probably more for liberty every day uh, just through his creations and publications uh, than most of us could ever hope to do in a lifetime. He is the creator of the Tuttle Twins, uh, the books and the magazines. He has over over 30 books published. He is also the creator of the podcast, The Way the World Works, which my kids absolutely love. It is the one and only Connor Boyack. Connor, welcome to Radical, sir. Hey, Shane. I'm uh, happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean, geez, well, Pete, you know, you get a chance to have Connor Boyack on the show and you jump at it. Uh, and then I honestly, I don't know where you find time to even do shows with all that you uh, create. Well, it's 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 part of uh, my mission, which is kind of being a missionary for freedom. And so it's not just producing the content. It's it's honestly, it's mastering marketing, like figuring out how to move people to action, to buy things, to be part of a community. Um, and so this is part and parcel of what I do is out there preaching the good word of liberty and hoping to use platforms like yours to reach a lot of people and help uh, reach and teach their kids. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're doing an amazing job. I mean, you know, we as homeschoolers, uh, we use these books to, uh, you know, take these and put the ideas of liberty and free markets and peace and and uh, trade and, you know, mediums of exchange and everything else in our kids' hands. And, you know, to, to have the, the that marketing ability, that gift that you have to, to make it simple enough uh, for young minds uh, and, and even maybe older minds that have you know not been exposed to these principles is, is is quite amazing to me. Shane, I know we've been going through a lot with all this COVID crap, and obviously we could fill the whole episode just you know on diatribes about all the stupidity that's happening. But um, I am an optimist. Well, some days, <laughs> most, <laughs> most days I'm an optimist, and and I'll, I want to give you a little data point that shows that for all the marketing we've been trying to do, that like there is momentum that. We have seen homeschooling triple right in the past year. There's a lot of like energy of people fleeing the system, kind of red pilling and saying like, you know, the status quo is deficient and I need something better. Here's the Tuttle Twin snapshot. We got started with our books in 2014. And so uh, from 2014 through 2019, the first six years, we sold about 750,000 books. Now, no one knew who we were. This is a brand new brand, of course, right? We're like building this uh, on our own. And when you start with one book and then two book, obviously it's slow going. Notwithstanding all of those disclaimers, we sold about 750,000. In the year 2020, last year, we sold 1.3 million books, which was almost double what we did in the whole first six years combined this year when we end the year here in about a week at the time we're recording this, uh, we're going to end at about 1.7 million books that we've sold in nearly a dozen languages this year alone. Wow. The momentum is rising to me. That's a, a profound, um, uh, 
I don't know, just an indicator that there's a, a substantial rise in interest, that the government's response to COVID and wokeness and all this crap happening in our world, yes, is creating a lot of problems. But by golly, it's waking a lot of people up. And I'm excited to think about what the future looks like, where we have an army of red-pilled people who are like, I know what my rights are. I know what's wrong. I want to be part of the solution. Let's kind of create and build together. I, I think you're I think you're more than right now. One of my questions tonight is I mean, we've seen homeschooling move into the double digits in a lot of places, uh, you know, more and more so with the, the mask and the mandates and the vaccinations and and just kind of the, the squirrely schedules, I think, with everything that's been going on. And so the the idea that not only are they moving there, but they are choosing to you know, take your books that are based in the principles of liberty and apply those to their, you know, their daily schedule and their weekly schedules and, and teach these things. I think it's just, you know, one of the one of the most, you know, optimistic things that we could possibly have here in, in the near future. So um, I, you know, I, I look a lot in terms of what I'm doing, uh, you know, in terms of fighting right here, right now. Um, whereas you're looking at the next generation. And I think that's always, you know, one of the the places that we, we miss a lot of times. And, you know, you've you've had a, a profound effect on uh, on that marketing. How how would you say you came about, uh, you know, being able to market the kids so well? Well, I, I should clarify, I, I'm doing the long term game as well, but I'm also doing the short term game. I run a, a nonprofit think tank called Libertas Institute in Utah. We now work across the country, but we are involved in state and local policy reform. We've changed nearly 100 laws many of them the first of their kind in the whole country. We're now helping other states adopt a lot of the reforms that we've done in you know, entrepreneurship and property rights and parental freedom and data privacy and all kinds of stuff. So we do need fighters in the trenches, right, in those short-term battles. But my fear and concern is that we can push the pendulum in one direction. We can get a law change. We can get someone elected or whatever, right? But if the people aren't there, if the hearts and minds are not conditioned in a way that are, are conducive to the, the pendulum staying over there, that energy is just going to bring it right back in the other direction. Someone will come back with a campaign two years later and repeal that big law we got passed or, you know, whoever got elected gets unelected. And, and so those short term <laughs> victories are, are paper victories, right? It's like, yeah, sure. we can feel good that it happened, but like, what did it actually do long term? So our mission is change hearts, minds and laws. It's important to be in there in the political policy battles. We need freedom fighters in the trenches. But there has to be a long term investment in the hearts and minds. And that's what our movement has neglected for far too long. We've waited for people to become adults, think tanks and organizations and everyone else. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, once they're voters, we'll talk to them. It is nigh unto impossible to change someone's mind. Very difficult. And so we have to invest in, in the rising generation. We have to help parents talk to their kids about these ideas. I can't tell you how many parents who are conservative, libertarian, whatever, and their kids turn out to be socialists. And these parents are like, what happened? Why does my kid like Bernie Sanders? And I'm like, well, have you ever talked to your kids about the values that you believe? How do you talk about the world, what's happening, political, economic values? And they're like, oh, I don't really understand them that well. I can't talk to my kids I don't, you know, about something I don't understand. I'm like, that is the problem. You yourself, the product of public school, by and large, feel inadequate in your knowledge about this issue. And so therefore, you're kind of disincentivized to talk to your kids about it because you don't want to look stupid or you're not confident that you can even talk to them about it and teach them anything. So you don't. Meanwhile, they're getting it on, you know, TikTok and, and YouTube and from friends and they're turning out to, you know, be little social justice warriors. So the idea is let's get in early. Let's invest in the rising generation. Let's empower parents 
to talk about these ideas at a simple level with their kids. So it's also a simple uh, level for the parents. And that way, whole families are talking about this over the dinner table. That is where freedom germinates. That is where the future, you know, the success for all of us lies is making sure that we empower families together. So there's that built in support system. So much I, I need to unpack there. In, in terms of you know going after um, the legislation now, um, what have, what have you found has been your greatest uh, success in terms of a, a tool uh, to change those laws? Is it uh, is it more at the state level? Is it more at the local level? Uh, state level is key. Uh, federal level, I, you know, Titanic is about to crash. I'm, I'm not interested in rearranging. <laughs> right. Papers. So uh, local level, you get a lot more corruption. Good old boy network, people who aren't ideological at all. They're just like, I want to serve my community. And now, you know, regulate your home so you can't use your property the way you want, because that's the way I want my neighborhood to look. So you don't really get a lot of ideological people at a local level, by and large. At a state level, you do. State is where you can push on the feds. You can push on the local government. You can push on the state government. It's the right way, the right level, I think, to affect a lot of change. And so I think state level is where it's at. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that we suck at as libertarians, by and large, is we're not good at marketing. We're not good at messaging. We often speak to people in our language rather than their language. We, we do so because we want to look bold and, and correct and, you know, get a good YouTube clip that we can, you know, go shame other people with. But, but we're not good at relationship building. We're not good at, at meeting people knee to knee and talking in their language and building relationships of trust that can germinate into partnerships and, and, and coalitions and actually affect change. So I think, you know, libertarians or freedom minded people or whatever you want to call it uh, really need a lot of introspection about like if you want to change something, let's begin with the end in mind and then let's reverse engineer what we need to do to get there. And quite often it's it's not using language that we love. It's using language that is appealing to the audience that we're trying to persuade that will move them in our direction incrementally. But again, it is that longer term investment that we need to be patient with. We want success now. We want to win that debate today. And I think a lot of people have the impatient, not enough patience for how long it actually takes to affect political change. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you in, in terms of I address a lot of times the idea that, you know, we've got to uh, come in and, and share our stories with them, you know, empathize with people where, you know, I, I think, you know, a libertarian and the liberty Republicans are some of the smartest people in most rooms that they go into. They're extremely well read. Uh, they got 12 pound brains. But, you know, that you know, opening that heart and showing, you know, the mistakes that we've made, the stories that we have in, in our journey to get to where we're at, I think is, you know, something we haven't done extremely well. Shane, um, let me let me pause really there. You said something critical. It's a journey. The impatience part of the problem is we expect other people to immediately agree with us or immediately come to the point of view that we have that could have taken us for a lot of us five, 10 years yeah. to kind of take off the blinders and, you know, remove the inconsistencies and stuff. I see this all the time. We do not give the same grace to other people that we hopefully had ourselves where we were kind of, you know, waking up. Red pilling is not an immediate process. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that is an area of improvement for a lot of us is to recognize that. You know, let's plant those seeds that may take six years to to, you know, blossom. Right. For some people, it may take six months, but we got to recognize this is a long term game. And I think too few people are, are have the patience in the stomach for that long process. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I know, you know, t- time feels like it's short right now, especially with the, the federal government. You know, you said it was a Titanic and you're not interested in, you know, rearranging the deck chairs and neither am I. I've, I've launched this initiative called the Helios Initiative, which focuses on the sheriffs and mayors to do decentralization, nullification and localization through things like resolution, where it's basically the mechanics of the Constitution that they swore oaths to, uh, mostly Article 5 and Article 6, to say, hey, listen, if it wasn't changed per an amendment, it's not constitutional per Article 6, which you also swore an oath. And so um, I'd, I'd love to share that with you at a later time. I don't want to get into it too much now, but it, it, there is both, you know, the legislative and the local executives, the guys that come out and enforce this bad legislation, this bad bureaucratic policy and hold up, you know, court opinions that have no constitutional standing uh, that I think where we can get a lot done. Um, you know, in terms of planting seeds and, and changing, you said, you know, changing minds uh, of adults, that's difficult. I mean, we look at, you know, what I call the, you know, the murder cult indoctrination camps, the, you know, the, the government schools. Um, I know, uh, for, you know, from from listening to you and reading your books that you are a huge fan of John Taylor Gatto and John Taylor yes. Gatto uh, was the guy that woke me up. I found a uh, copy of his uh, book, The uh, the Underground History of uh, American Education on my rack in in Iraq Um like right after I came off the battlefield from Fallujah in late 04 and to to read John Taylor Gatto and be such a neocon at the time, you know, and to have seen war up close and been moved around the world um, to, to go and fight guys, you know, I I was, I was stunned. It was like a, a proverbial, you know, punch to the gut. And he was the guy that, that absolutely changed my life. And so to, to, to share that, you know, with you and I mean, I, I think in one podcast you were talking about, you, you actually got to meet him. Well, so I had a number of connections with John that I feel very fortunate to have. What for people who don't know him, the very uh, short version of his bio is that he was a 30 year public school teacher in New York. And in the, the final year of his teaching, he was awarded New York State Teacher of the Year. He got New York City Teacher of the Year. Then he got New York State Teacher of the Year. In that very year, he wrote an op ed in The Wall Street Journal titled I quit, I think, in which he goes on to lay bare all the problems in the public school and say, I've been trying to reform from within, but I am hurting kids more than I'm helping them. So I need to find a different job where I don't have to hurt kids. And, and so then he launches a public speaking tour, very popular in the homeschool community, which then in the 80s was just finally starting to grow because it had been illegal. And um, so John actually wrote the foreword for a book that I did called Passion Driven Education. And then uh, a couple years ago, I had the um, then we did the Tuttle Twins book. We have one called Education Vacation, which is all about John's uh, kind of message and, and views. And a couple years ago, I did a book for kind of teens and young adults called Skip College. Awesome where book. I, Amazing thank book. You. I invited a number of contributors to provide chapters where we kind of talk about making the case against college for, for most kids, you know, not for every kid, but so John contributed a chapter, which was basically for him, the underground history of American education, the book that you read college edition focused on higher education and not just K through 12, which is what his book was more about. That was the last thing John ever wrote was that chapter for our book. He passed away shortly after that. So I I feel deeply honored to have had those connections with him and, uh, and his legacy lives on through people like you and this Tuttle Twins book and others, because uh, he, for me, the reason we're homeschooling is I read his book, dumbing us down the hidden, uh, the hidden hidden curriculum of compulsory education, yeah. and that's a shorter book, much shorter than the one that you read. Really good. And it, 
very eye-opening for me. So I told yeah. my then girlfriend, now wife, I'm like, hey, read this too and see if you agree with it. She did, fortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, weapons of mass instruction as well uh, out there for yep. you guys. And and, and uh, just so you know, like I talk about John Taylor Gatto all the time on nice. my show. He, he was he was literally the guy that kind of opened my eyes to say, all right, you know, here's here's a seed, right? Let's let's go figure some things out. Start asking questions and, and get down to the base of things. So, um, no, I, I think that is you know the, the fact that he you know authored the, the, you know, that I guess his last writing in, in your book, uh, is, is something, you know, really, really special. And, um, you know, say, you know, to have changed my life personally, um, and to, to at least take the blinders off and, and open a mind, uh, is, is nothing short than miraculous. So, um, do you lead a lot of times in your discussions with, uh, maybe older people, especially maybe legislators or people who are politicians or just everyday, um, you know, people that you'll ha- you'll have conferences or talks with with, you know, a, a guy like John Taylor Gatto in terms of, you know, being relatable to say, hey, listen, you know, you were basically forced and coerced or your parents were to take you to a government school at the age of five. I, I don't uh, because I don't want people to be defensive. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't like pointing out. Uh, the, the the problem that we face, I think, a lot of times is people want to be very protective about the choices that they made and the experiences that they've had. And if you try and tell them, if you try and tell like a veteran, like, oh, you killed babies and the, like, you know, it just never goes well. Right. To kind of say, like, you're part of the problem. And so my focus, generally speaking, and obviously there's exceptions, is like I'm always trying to think of where is this person at right now? Where can I take them as a next step? at a point where they'll agree with me that pulls me in their direction. And look, I'm not perfect at this. I used to be a keyboard warrior. A decade ago when I started Libertas, my now board chairman sat me down. He's like, if we're going to do this nonprofit thing, like maybe you need to tone it down on Facebook. And I'm like, ah, but there's someone wrong on the internet. You know, I need to like convince them of the error of their ways. You've seen that comic, no doubt of like the guy hunched over his computer and the wife, you know, comes through the door and the light shining in from the hallway and he's in the you know dark with the glow of the computer. And she says, honey, come to bed. And he says, not now. Someone's wrong on the Internet. You know, and, he's, <laughs> and so so that was me. Right. And like so I'm not perfect at this, but but where I have found success and where I focus these days is is not trying to demean people, not trying to criticize the choices they've made, the upbringing they had, the schooling they had or whatever. But it's, it's trying to find, like, how can I frame things the right way? How can I say things where it'll be almost it, basically it's the assertion of the moral ground. I want to claim, you know, that the high moral ground and say, like, every child deserves an individualized education. We need to you know, tailor our approach to each child rather than have a one size fits all template. And any teacher I talk to totally agrees, right? They'll argue like, oh, we need more resources and oh, I need smaller class sizes. And they'll kind of come up with different solutions. But I can I can basically tailor the problem in a way that gives us a common language to kind of start talking about ideas and seeing where we might agree. So um, anyways, I hope, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, they, they ask me, what, what can I do to go out there and spread the word of liberty? I'm like, yes. What are you passionate about? Go, any way you see fit, like, I'm not going to sit here and criticize people who are going out and, and doing it. So if somebody does it maybe a little different than I do, like, I'm like, Hey man, you're going to reach, you know, that set of people that you can reach, um, you sure. know, better than, better than I can. So yeah, I, I think it's amazing. I, I'd like to talk, you know, a little bit about your creative process. I mean, the, the ability to put together not only books for kids, uh, um, you know, monthly magazine, the fact that you've got, uh, you know, things like uh, the, 
uh, the series where you you guide the Tuttle Twins guide to um, whether it's uh, you know logical fallacies or courageous heroes or inspiring uh, entrepreneurs, right? Like these type of th- creations. First and foremost, how much time in a day do you dedicate uh, to creation? So um, I struggle with this question. Um, that's why I was kind of uh, quietly chuckling. Um, I, I am, I don't know, I, I'm an addict. Um, and if man, if I was not addicted to freedom and writing and producing, I'd probably be like a couch potato playing video games on drugs. You know, like I, I have that type of personality where I go deep in stuff. And um, so I think the Lord that I have a, a good addiction that's a positive <laughs> contribution to society. Um, I, so, so in my early life, when I was kind of red pilled and the John Taylor Gatto and Ron Paul and all the rest, and I would just read and read and read and read. I went to college. I I went to public school, went to college, hated it all. I cheated. Um, It was all about getting good grades, getting the diploma, getting through it, but I hated learning. I I did poorly in uh, English and history and economics, especially, which are like now my... Yeah. Now my emphasis, my, my, when I had written about a dozen books, my mom was back home in San Diego where I grew up and she bumped into my eighth grade teacher. And, uh, and so they got talking and my eighth grade teacher remembered me, which either is like a good thing or a really bad thing that all these years later, they remember who you are. And so like, Oh, how's Connor doing? My mom was like, Oh yeah, he's written a dozen books. And it was like, you know, like she could not compute that this guy who, you know, plagiarized things and, (laughs) and argued very poorly could, uh, could end up being a writer. So, so I get through college and it's all like, like not at all a labor of love. It's all just wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I finally graduate and it was crazy. I had, I had free time. I had mental energy and some things in my life happened that developed a curiosity. And I, I had time for this little spark of curiosity to like turn into an ember, to turn into a flame. Whereas before it was like, no, I got this assignment and this, you know, blah, blah, blah on this project. And so I, I sat with my curiosity. I started reading this book, which then led to another book, which led to da, 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 da. And so I became self-taught in everything I do now. I went to college for information technology, which is basically to be a computer nerd. I was a web developer for about 10 years. And so um, i trying to remember where I was going with all this. I could kind of you know, tell the story the, the whole time. There was a point somewhere along the way. But uh, let's the see what crea- we're talking the about. The creative before. process. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah the creative yeah. process. So, so I have, you know, this like addiction to, to producing because I went through a phase of my life where it was all consumption. It was like reading everything I could get my hands on, learn, learn, learn. And that was my addiction. Like there are things I don't know. You know, there are smart people whose things I need to read. And so I kind of went through that phase. And then I have, I have you know, went from 100% to like 15% in terms of consumption. I, I don't read that much anymore. I, I kind of... Uh, skim books, but I'm like, eh, I've read this in other books. You're just rehashing what, you know, other people have said. And so I, I still read, I do podcasts and stuff, but my consumption has, has declined substantially. I am now in the production phase of my life. So every nook and cranny, I mean, a lunch break, kids are in bed, you know, wife takes the kids out. Like tonight they're going out to some symphony thing. Okay, great. I got like two hours of free time to like, you know, work on the next thing. So I fit it in every little nook and cranny that I can. Uh, and here's why. I said, I'm an addict. I'm a drug addict. The drug I'm addicted to, I guess, what, what is it? Dopamine, right? I get this hit multiple times a day, emails from parents, social media posts, people showering, 
us with praise for what we're doing, talking about the conversations they're having with their kids, the the eye-opening experiences they can see their kids going through of like learning this stuff, the gratitude they share with me, like that is a good drug to be addicted to. And I want more of it. And I want, and, and you develop a tolerance, right? Like with any drug addiction, you kind of like, oh yeah, I'm used to like getting a few emails a day. I want more emails, right? I want to reach more parents. I want a bigger drug hit. I need a bigger fix. And so for me, like that is my motivation every morning of like, I got to reach more people. I got to reach more people because I know the good this stuff does with it. And Elijah, who I need to give a massive shout out to my partner in this, he's the illustrator of the books that takes these ideas and visually presents them in a way that kids find fascinating and, and memorable. And so like we're on this quest to change the world and we know the good that this can do. And so I would feel it would almost feel evil or immoral for me not to spend like every waking moment and bit of mental energy I have to push this thing out further because I know what it can do. And now I feel it would be a disservice for me not to reach, you know, that kid in yeah. podunk, you know, Alabama who, but for my marketing efforts would never get ex like, who's the future Ron Paul that, you know, but for the Tuttle twins would never like embark on this career and life journey. Who are those people out there that I need to find that, that our team is, is hoping to reach so that our world can be better years from now. That's what keeps me up at night of like, my gosh, like if I don't do this and do it well and, and work really hard, you know, we're going to miss out. And so anyways, those are kind of my, my drug addicted thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get it. Uh, you know, Trey, finding those times to, to eke out and produce and just, you know, get as much out of here onto something that you can share in a, in a memorable, repeatable format for other people to, to share and duplicate is, I mean, it is a, an absolute, I, there's not enough time in the world to, to do all of that, but um, you know, to, I, with what we have, I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Now, um, I'd like to ask you, um, in terms of what you are creating um, or have created, for that matter, what's your favorite? What, what's the favorite thing you've uh, put into this world? Oh, boy. Um, it's like asking a parent which which kid is their, their favorite. Um Well, you're not asking Tuttle Twins. You're asking just in general? Yeah, just – yeah, I mean, anything. Yeah. Um. Can I give you a, a partially religious answer? Oh, anything you like. Okay, so I'll give you one that's that's partial that's kind of religious and one that's not. So I'm a Christian, and uh, and I wrote a book. Uh, oh gosh, last year it was about a year ago called Christ versus Caesar, and and this is I, I've been thinking about this for a very long time. This idea of like render unto Caesar, you know, what is Caesar's? What is actually Caesar's? And you know, in my mind as a Christian, Christ is king, and so everyone else is a counterfeit. Every other person who claims authority and power, it's all it's all illegitimate. And so I, I think of um, Ron Paul when he was on the debate stage. Was this the I think this was the 2012 race. Okay. And I'm pretty sure it was. And he's in, gosh, was it Georgia or it was somewhere down south? I have I, I haven't thought of this in a while. So it's somewhere kind of Bible Belt, you know, state. And they're in a GOP presidential debate. They're up on stage. And Ron Paul, they're talking about foreign policy. So Ron Paul says, you know what? Like, I tend to believe in the golden rule. And I think we should treat other. You remember this. Your whole audience remembers this. You find it on YouTube. It's amazing. Right. I think we should treat other countries the way would we like it if China came here in the Gulf of Mexico. And da, da, da. like we know that. Right. And so here he is to a largely Christian audience in this highly Christian state. And and they start booing him. And, and so that to me was like, oh, my gosh, like 
like Christianity, it's turned into like this, uh, gosh, what is it? It's in uh, first Samuel, I think of the Bible where they're like, you know, uh, we want a King. We want to be like uh, unto all the other nations, right? Give us a King. And so as a, a religious person, I feel like the Liberty movement, those of us who are, are, are Christian, like we got a lot of work cut out for us. So I put a lot of effort into that book, Christ versus Caesar. And I feel like outside of the Tuttle twins, that's kind of my magnum opus of like, if we, if we mean it, if we really want to follow Jesus, you know, there's some real severe political implications. Basically, anarchism is where I ultimately, you know, get to in that book. Um, and so that is a book for me that I'm like, I put my heart and soul in that thing. And, and I think that's kind of the, the best thing that one of the best things I've done. In the Tuttle Twins world, um, my favorite book is uh, The Tuttle Twins and the Fate of the Future. This was a book that Elijah and I were very nervous to do. Because as you know, each of our children's books is based on a classic book, The Law by Bastiat, Creature from Jekyll Island, Economics in One Lesson, Atlas Shrugged, etc. So then we said, you know what, we got to do some Rothbard. And, and obviously the Rothbard book that we're going to do is Anatomy of the State, which is basically anarcho-capitalism. I mean, not basically, it, it is. It I mean, is that's yeah. what it's about, <laughs> the, the, the illegitimacy of the state. And we're like, oh my gosh, are we going to do this? And like, what's the response going to be from families? And we were worried about backlash <laughs> and everything. And, and not only have we not gotten backlash, we get these conservative parents, these Republican, you know, whatever, conservative parents. And they're like, oh, my kids love that book. It was great. And I'm like do you understand what's in that? And like they do, like the seeds are all there of like consent of the governed. We talk about polycentric law. What does it mean to actually like have the, the, uh, the, the consent of the governed? What are the implications of that? Voluntarism versus, you know, coercion. Like it's all in there. And we've just been blown away that not only have we not gotten opposition, people praise this thing. And I'm like, Maybe there's something to it. We just had to get take it down to a kid's level. That's where Rothbard <laughs> failed is he didn't, you know, make it kid-friendly enough. And now we got these little eight-year-old AMCAPs running around who, you know, are preaching about consent of the governed and voluntary relationships. So that to me is is one of my – if I had to pick a favorite child, it would be that book. Yeah, I'll tell you, I mean – it's such a a classic thing that you know when, when you don't put a, a moniker next to something right like it's not a d or an r or you know conservative or progressive it's just hey here's some knowledge like we don't need to politicize any of this kind of stuff and people go oh man i really like that kind of stuff and then <laughs> and not only that but you know when you know when you're having these conversations you know a lot a lot of times with us um we we live out quite a ways from uh from town so uh you know if there's a you know a podcast that we're listening to and we need to stop and and talk about things and and you know uh kind of you know have these discussions you know that the questions come up of like what you're telling me that the government does what from kids and you're just like yeah, yeah man and, and it's it's kind of the, the the very simple rules that we have in in our house i'm sure you do in yours is don't hurt people and don't take their stuff like the the two guiding rules in this house that you don't cross and they're like these guys are doing that i was like yeah man and don't ever forget you know it doesn't matter what your position is in life or how old you get you don't you know ever cross some right. magic threshold that makes that okay like the, the force and coercion and all that kind of stuff by the state is never okay no matter what they say it's for if it's the best thing in the world still um no, I think that's I think that's really neat. Um, you your your podcast is I don't know, golly, I think you guys are already through two hundred plus episodes now, and trying to oh keep, yeah, <laughs> it, trying to keep up with you guys is just 
un, I mean, it's unbelievable, um, you know, how much you guys are putting out. Have you enjoyed your, your experience in terms of, you know, becoming a podcaster uh, and how have you found the, the podcast community? So the vision with our podcast is we're trying to produce content for like mom when she's running errands with the kids in the van kind of deal, right? Like little bite-sized things, or maybe it's a family, like we do it with our kids. My wife has my kids listen over breakfast. Um, and then when I'm home for dinner, you know, we'll talk about what they learned is what we try and do. So it's like those quick little moments. We don't want hour long, whatever for kids, for young kids where they have shorter attention spans. So we're doing them in little like 15 minute bite sized things and just trying to spark conversations. Right. And like get kids interested in this and maybe they'll go look up more on Wikipedia or find a YouTube video about it. Or, you know, not every issue is going to be of interest, but the more of these little things we do, the more kind of curiosity can be uh, developed. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, obviously I started with Brittany. We brought on Emma as a co-host. We can kind of share the load and, and do more episodes together. So it's not as much a burden on my time, which has been really good. Um, but I enjoy it a lot. It's so fun. And, and I love too, like the planning, like, like we get a lot of reader emails and stuff. And so, ideas that people are like, Hey, my kid was asking about this. Can you do an episode on that? And so it's great to have that stream of ideas from the community. Same thing with our books. We get people for years who have sent in like ideas, Hey, you should do a book on this and you should, you know, and so it's so great to build a community where people want to help contribute and offer ideas and are presenting actual, I'll call them problems, but like, Hey, my kid wanted to know about this. I didn't know quite how to explain it. Could you guys do an episode about that? Like, I love where we can hear directly from our consumers, uh, right? And and this the community, and they can give us ideas that we can immediately turn around responses that are you know very practical and useful for them. So it's been a ton of fun. And and I mean, Shane, what I'm trying to do, like the podcast is just one element. Obviously, is like I want the Tuttle Twins to be um, a household name. I want everyone on your way. I want everyone to have heard about the Tuttle Twins. I want it to be as, you know, recognizable as, you know, Wheaties or Pokemon or whatever, right? Look, not everyone's going to buy the books. Not everyone's going to agree with it. But my goal is that we're a household name so that every family out there knows that if you want to talk to your kids about these basic American foundational ideas, right, then that's what you want for the Tuttle Twins. And so that means it means books, it means curriculum the magazine, the podcast, the cartoon, like I want for a child of any age, no matter how they like to learn, I want something for them. Some kids love books. Some kids prefer, you know, watching videos and cartoons. Great. Some are more auditory. Like, you know, they can, you know, doodle while they listen to like, I want to meet kids where they are, whatever age they are. And so we're, yeah, we're like eagerly trying to pump out a ton of content so that we can meet all those kids and all those learning styles, uh, because again, like I'm addicted to this drug and I, I, I need more of it. So um, with, with all of this, I mean, and, and I haven't even, you know, broached the subject of your, your new show, um, you know, Cartoon. Um, how, I mean, you guys are what, just a few shows into this one uh, right now, I, I believe. Yeah, five. Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, you know, it's just an, another place where you guys are, I think, absolutely crushing it. And um, to, to, you know, to understand the creative process and everything that it takes for you guys uh, to, you know, put on, you know, podcasts and do, you know, cartoons and books and magazines. And boy, I mean, like when I, ladies and gents, when I tell you like Connor and his staff and organization, absolutely you know, dedicate their lives to making sure that these principles are, are not only heard, but spread in, in profound. I mean, 
it it's nothing short of I think probably taking the vision of John Taylor Gatto and everything that he distilled for us and and pushing it out um, what I'm sure he would have wanted to do if he had you know another 30 40 50 years you know so um with 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 that um you, you know you're you're a bit of a, a big deal um and you've got kids and um they don't think i'm a big deal (laughs) what's that scripture no no man is a prophet in his own land (laughs) um people that know you best no um but with that said um i mean there this side of being in the public eye um you know there's criticism out there right and and i imagine um you're probably a lot like me you see it and and uh, try to ignore the brash, but when when people come to you that are you know pretty sound people and they they have a good head on their shoulders, how do you, how do you handle that? So I mean, the latter you're talking about maybe more constructive criticism or like I'm always open to kind of debate and engaging, but but let me take issue uh, respectfully with with the former thing. I I do not like the brash people, the crazies, the whatever. I don't try and ignore them. I don't, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't ignore them. I welcome it. Uh, look, I, I said at the beginning, like I've had to learn marketing and there is no better marketing for when you have an enemy. Um, I, I actually speak to business owners um, on this topic. This is a presentation I put together and I go around, I, I do a lot of public speaking. I gave a presentation uh, on this a couple months ago in Arizona and, and they lapped it up. The whole, what was it called? It was, uh, the title was uh, Turning Your Enemies into Evangelists. So I shared the story of, uh, and, and there's several, but one example for us was when we were attacked by the magazine Current Affairs, which is a magazine written by socialists for socialists. And they dedicated this eight page spread in their magazine to the Tuttle Twins attacking us. Um, I used to have on my, actually out here on my wall, I, I bought their magazine, actually I'd buy two copies so I could get like both the front and the back page because then I laid them out in this nice little, it's hanging on the wall over here, this like trophy of mine where they're attacking us. They criticized it like crazy. They created parody illustrations to like make fun of our illustrations. And it was this whole attack on libertarians teaching their kids about the principles of freedom. And so, you know, most people when they read something like that. I, I first read it online. I got the Google alert, which is, I'm like, oh, what's this? And and most people would be sad. They'd be angry. Oh, my baby's being attacked. Like, oh, defensive. I literally, and I'm not embellishing, I had a smile on my face. I knew that this was a gift. So we took the current uh, affairs magazine. I emailed it to our half a million people, plastered all over social media. We created a coupon code, current affairs. It doesn't work anymore. But we created a coupon code where you could get a big discount off of the books. And we said, guys, go read this. They're attacking us. If you don't agree, go get the books for your kids. Show them who's boss. We sold 10,000 books in 24 hours. Oh, I mean, most authors <laughs> Thank you would very kill much. to sell that many in their lifetime. We did. In tw- and so then we started tagging them. Hey, thanks, guys. This has been great. Thanks for helping us promote the books. They created a Tuttle Twins coupon code to try and sell their magazine and give a discount off of their magazine. Right. Buy the current affairs. Get a 10 percent off with Tuttle. I don't think it failed because like we were the victim. We're the you know, like we had the benefit of, of being in that posture. But also like socialists, I don't think they know how to sell things really well. So it was kind of a dud. But um, so there's a lot of examples like that where where people focus on Twitter. Like I'm always, you know, 
like quote tweeting on Twitter, like, Oh, look at what this person says about that. Like, you know, whatever. And uh, we've, we've done all kinds of ads where we will take our enemies. So-called even like one star Amazon reviews, right? Oh, this is like libertarian trash. And these people want Jeff Bezos to rule the world or whatever, you know, so we'll take that and turn it into an ad and pump it on Facebook and go sell a bunch of books. And it's a great <laughs> way to motivate the fence sitters to say like, I don't agree with that crazy person. So I must agree with, these guys. And, it, and it, again, it like shakes people awake to like, oh, wait, what is this? I should pay attention to what the Tuttle Twins is. So so no, I am not the type of person who tries to ignore the haters. I solicit them. I'm like, if you know anyone who wants to write an attack article about us next, like, I would love that. Let's you know, go. If, if AOC wants to come after me or something, like, can someone hook that up? I would really appreciate for, you know, having more haters. I My, my, my goal, Shane, I will be very open about this. My goal in life is to be listed uh, as what? What do they even call it? Like a a, a hateful person or a, a oh, hate, the, uh, Southern Poverty Law Center? Yes, guys. Yeah. yes. <laughs> you know, Ron Paul's on there, and all the cool kids are on there. I'm not on I there, know, yet, right? So <laughs> I, mean, I got work to yet. do. <laughs> not even in the South, for God's sakes. Well, <laughs> I, I think that, I mean, not only great words of advice for anybody who's out there, um, I mean, but obviously tried and true. Um, are you ready for a couple of questions from uh, some big fans and students of yours? Oh, let's do it. Who's who's up first? Come here, buddy. Come here and, uh, and grab this headset. Um, you're going to put this on. Okay. And you're going to speak really clearly right in here first you're going to say hello and hi introduce yourself hello my name is henry michael hazel hi henry how are you good how old are you uh eight and are you the oldest of your siblings or where do you fall uh say i'm happily the middle child I'm right happily the middle child. <laughs> all right cool all right, well, henry, yeah what's your question, question is how do you make your ideas for your um for the books? Yeah. So like, how do I turn an idea into a book? Yeah. Awesome question. So the hard challenge, Henry, that we have is we have a lot of ideas, right? And so it takes yeah. a lot of work to turn an idea into a book. So here's one thing that I do, Henry, when I have some ideas, part of what I'm trying to figure out is which of the ideas should I turn into a book? If I have 20 ideas, which one should I pick? And so what I do is I actually go out to parents like yours and I say like, hey, what do you think about these three ideas? Which one do you think your kid needs to learn about right now? Or which one do you think would be really good out of these you know, five options? Which one would you really want a book about? So I go out and I have some conversations with different families and I try and hear from them to try and see what they're interested in. And so I kind of gather all that info and Elijah, who's the illustrator, he's the one that draws all the, the stuff in the books. Um, he and I talk about it and we try and figure out, can I give you an example actually, Henry? So do you guys have this book right here? Do you have the latest one? Grab it, it's right there. Um, ah, you have it too. So Henry, you may remember this, but this book is all about how when there's an emergency, nice, you got your copy. When there's an emergency, people get scared and they want the government to save them. And the government says, sure, I'll save you. Just give me all your freedom. And do you remember, I've got it actually right here that I still need to hang on my wall. Do you remember this drawing from the book about the, the Leviathan monster? That every time there's a different emergency, a different crisis, 
Leviathan grows, right? From the tiny little guy and he gets bigger and sloppier and slobbering and stupid and turns into this big monster. So Elijah and I, when we were talking to families, trying to figure out what the latest book is, we thought, you know, with all this stuff happening with COVID and the government shutting everything down and people getting scared and supporting a bigger government to save them, we thought out of all the different ideas that we have for future books, we thought that that one would be the most important because it's it's very um, timely, right? It, it applies to what's happening now. And we thought that families would really want a book like this so that they can talk to kids like you, Henry, about what's happening in the world and why it's important to not let the government grow bigger, even though we're kind of scared of what's happening. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Huh? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Oh, Good question. question huh? I have uh, another question. Uh, well, we're going to let your brother get his first. Okay. Come here, Jackson. Let's go. Come here. Here we go. Jackson, you are also going to introduce yourself first and say hello, and you're going to speak right into that microphone loud and clear. Hey, he's a nice guy. He doesn't bite, so you can speak up nice nice and loud. Hi, my name is Jackson. Hey, Jackson. How old are you? What was that? Just go ahead. I love listening to your podcast. Awesome. How can you hear you me, Jackson? Podcast can, ideas. Can, can, you, can you hear him? No. You can't? I can't hear anything. Is this like making this Here, Maybe Henry pull it out a little bit. Can you hear him now? Can you hear me now? No. Here, take my headset. Okay. So, Jackson, how old are you? Ten. Ten. All right. Awesome. What's your question? My question is, how do you get your podcast ideas? Cool. Your dad and I were just talking about that, where we have a lot of listeners who will email us questions. And so we'll, we'll hear from parents and they'll say, hey, my kid asked me, you know, about inflation or my you know, kid was wondering about, you know, mandates and lockdowns and if those are legal. And so parents will reach out to us and they'll say, could you talk? Could you do an episode about this? And so we try and do a lot of answers to questions like that. And then also some of it is just me and Brittany and Emma. We'll kind of talk together about like what we think would be good and what we think that we'd like to talk about. So it's kind of a mix of those two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks. For good question. And also, you got one more. What is your favorite character in the Tuttle twins? Oh, my favorite character. So uh, have you watched the new cartoon by chance? I've watched, I think like episode three. Okay. My favorite uh, character in the cartoon is Derek, the little raccoon. I think he's silly and crazy. So that's a lot of fun. In the books, my favorite character is Fred, who, do you remember Fred? He's the neighbor. And uh, in the Tuttle Twins learn about the law, they go over to his house and he talks to them about, you know, what the law is and what our rights are. And so we're actually working on a new book right now about history, American history. And Fred plays a really important role. And so I like Fred because he's wise. He has a lot of knowledge to share. And he's actually based on a guy I really admire named Frederick Bastiat, uh, who wrote the law. That's what we based our book off of. So I like Fred. Mm-hmm. Remember the uh, the broken window fallacy that we were listening yeah. to? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Good question. Do you, that's it? Mm-hmm. Both of them? Yeah. All right. Great. Thanks. For, hey, can you say thank you? Thank you. Can you say Merry thank Christmas? Thank you, Jackson. Merry See Christmas. you later. You too. Good job, guys.
Thanks for doing those uh, those questions. I know they are of course. tickled to death right now to have uh, gotten to spoken to one of their heroes, man. That's, uh, I got to gotta share a related story. I was at an event uh, a couple years ago yeah. and I was talking with a donor because I run a nonprofit. And so I'm, you know, we're talking and just kind of catching up. And this 10 year old kid walks up with his dad. It was kind of a family friendly conference. And so the, the dad, uh, the kid was there as well as his son. And so the son walks up and he says, are you Mr. Boyack? And I said, oh yeah, I'm Connor. You know, what's your name? And whatever, we exchanged some little pleasantries and, and my donor standing right there. Right. And so then this 10 year old, I can't remember his name. Then he says, he says, do you have a fan club? And I'm like, no, I don't have a fan club. He's like, could I start one and be the president? I'm like, go nuts, kid. That sounds great, you know? And so my donor there is just like lapping it up and like, oh, this is amazing. So cute. So I love opportunities like that to interact with kids and, and show like who's actually, you know, the people we're trying to serve and help. So thank you for that. No, I, I listen. I mean, these guys, you know, whenever we're, we're in the car and, you know, uh, maybe something's not on or maybe something's on that they don't want to hear. Right. And uh, it's like, hey, can we, uh, can we get uh, how the world works? And uh, of course you can. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, you know, it, it reminds me of being a young man. And uh, down here, I think we had Neil Bortz. Uh, you know, my mom would put him on talk radio back there. And I was just I would eat it up, man. It was just, you know, great liberty lessons most of the time when he wasn't talking about foreign policy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything else was pretty spot on. So um, were you about to say something there? Nope. Nope. Oh, okay. Well, um, I want to, I want to be very respectful of your time. I know you got a hard stop here, uh, in, uh, a few short minutes, but I want, uh, I want you to plug anything and everything, um, help us help you, uh, in, in this audience, because I'll tell you if there's a righteous mission out there, that's going to change the future. Uh, I believe it is, uh, M Mr. Boyax and the, the Tuttle twins, not to mention all the other, uh, extremely motivational and educational, uh, things that you guys produce. Well, thank you, Shane. I'll, I'll maybe um, conclude with, with this thought. Um, I was at a conference a few years ago. Uh, this is an organization I love. I was actually at their conference last week uh, called Atlas Network. They are a kind of an association of all of the different freedom fighting nonprofit think tank kind of groups all over the world. And it's amazing. You see people fighting for basic property rights in Bangladesh or, you know, small business, you know, permits so that they don't take two years to process in Calcutta, you know, and you like you see how these freedom fighters are just battling problems all over the world. It's an amazing organization. And I love it. A couple of years ago at their conference, someone was giving a presentation and there was a slide showing the cumulative budget of all of the kind of member organizations. And I don't remember the number. It was, you know, hundreds of millions uh, across all the, the many groups all over the world. And everyone was like, yeah, go us. Look at how strong we are and how we're, you know, growing and have all these resources. And, and rightly so. That's showing that investors are recognizing we need to support these. Like, I have nothing bad to say about, you know, these budgets, a group like Libertas, right? Trying to grow, trying to be more impactful. That's all well and good. But I had a very different thought than everyone else in that room. I looked at that chart and I was a little bit, I was very disappointed. I was a little bit disgusted. And the reason is that I had kind of the epiphany. I had started Tuttle Twins a couple of years prior. We've been doing this. And I realized that chart, that investment is going 99.9% .9 towards adults. 
right? So it's like we are in a big worldwide orchard full of knotted, diseased, decaying trees. These old trees that are just past, you know, their prime order. And we, the gardeners of the freedom movement, are out there with bucket loads of fertilizer, just heaping the fertilizer on these old trees, hoping that we can restore them back to good health so that they can bear good fruit. And look, we need that. We need to reclaim and support and improve the health of, you know, these old trees so that we can have better fruit growing. Don't dispute that at all. But it's, it's a yes and, right? It's like, yes, we need that. And we have to invest, like any good gardener would, in protecting the seeds and the saplings so that they avoid that same fate of the older trees. That is where the critical failure has been. That is where our movement, so-called, has been neglecting the most critical, I would argue, area of our work. It's like we can constantly play defense after the, the schools are pumping out all those social, social justice warriors, and then we have to deal with the ideological rot and try and like, you know, defend freedom, or we can go on the offense and support families and talk to the rising generation and make freedom awesome, right? Right now, socialism's awesome. That's what has the cultural narrative and the zeitgeist. We need to, you know, we need to fix that. And it starts with focusing on the rising generation. So yes, let's focus on adults. Let's educate voters. Let's persuade them. It's what we do at Libertas. I'm not knocking it. In addition to that, we have to focus on the seeds and saplings. That is the mission of the Tuttle Twins. We can't do it alone. I mean, as much as I love kind of having a monopoly in this world of like being the, you know, premier folks doing that, ideologically and, and from a mission standpoint, everything else, we need like a hundred more organizations doing what we're doing if we're going to succeed. Yeah. And we can't do it alone. And I'm trying, you know, I need to get other people addicted to the same drugs so that they can be, you know, codependent with me, <laughs> fall, fall prey to the same patterns. But, but I need, you know, allies. We need more people like other people. What, what can they do to support? Man, if it's just sharing Tuttle Twins people, you know, buy some as a Christmas gift, plant those seeds, you know, share the link with friends and family. Like we have an affiliate system. People can sign up and make money to promote the books. Uh, we're desperate out there to reach more and more and more people. And so, you know, we, we have partnerships and signing on influencers and just trying to do everything we can to get the books out there because there's a lot of seeds and saplings that are starting to rot already. And, and I hate that. And I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for our future. Um, and so whoever's listening out there, if you got something to contribute, awesome. Uh, but if all it is is buying books and sharing them or sharing the link, we welcome that too. Uh, because we are just, uh, you know, I, I feel, I said I'm mostly an optimist, uh, but I'm not entirely an optimist, man. We got some big problems and big challenges, and and I'm very concerned with the state of our society and how we've turned into Karens, and, you know, before we were kind of like a, you do you, I'll do me, and now it's like, you should do this, otherwise you're evil. Like, like I'm, I'm worried, uh, but there are problems and there are solutions. Tuttle Twins is not the solution, but it is a, a, a big solution that I'm excited about. So I thank you for letting me to, you know, share your platform and reach uh, your audience and everyone listening out there. We'd love to have your support in spreading these books as far and wide as we can. Hey, it has been an absolute honor and, and a pleasure to, to find another man that is 
uh, you know, kind of motivated and woke up by the great John Taylor Gatto and approaches this from a, uh, you know, a, a learning and education standpoint uh, you know, to, to see everything that you do. It's an inspiration. Um, and I think, you know, we do. We need 100 million more people uh, in America alone uh, doing exactly uh, what you're doing with their own brand and their own twist and, you know, and sharing the heck out of everything that's out there. There's ladies and gents, there's there's over 30 books, uh, you know, and I think probably 3.2 million uh, sold is a low number uh, considering what's going on. And uh, I expect great things to follow uh, in the in the coming years because of what's going on. And we need uh, we need to support guys like Connor uh, Libertas and um, the the whole organization as much as possible. Um, what's the what's the best link for them to go to? Is it ConnorBoyak.com? Tuttletwins.com is where you can find all the books. I mean, you can find me at connorboyack.com, but if you're looking for the books, they're on Amazon, but you're going to get a way better deal and workbooks and a bunch of stuff at tuttletwins.com. Well, brother, it has been an honor. I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a, and a Happy New Year. I think we've got a, a, a full plate in 2022. Thanks for hanging out with me. Likewise. Thank you, Shane. Take care. Ladies and gents, Connor Boyack, the amazing man. Uh, Go out there and support him um, to, to take some time and do what he does uh, to be here and uh, to share that message. I mean, totally stoked to be able to talk to him. Uh, my my sons over here that wanted to ask questions, got to, to meet one of their, their idols and the guy that is, you know, done so by contributing uh, loads and loads of information uh, to their growing brains. And uh, I'll tell you, um, you know, as a, you know, as an ask for me, that that is one of my ask. Uh, I will be back here soon uh, with episode 178. I don't know, Shane. This was episode 179. Things things get crazy this time of year, ladies and gents. And uh, I will have episode 178 for you guys as well. Um, kind of milestone uh, for those of you guys that have been here a long time with me. So, uh, at any rate, until then, thank you for hanging out with me here on Radical. Like, share, subscribe, hit all the bells and whistles. And until next time, I will see you then. I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take this.